our scripture reading for today. I'll be reading from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was, going to glor- he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're in an interesting story, John 21. Uh, this is a story about Jesus coming to meet Peter immediately after he has shown himself to his disciples after rising from death. After witnessing the risen Jesus, surprisingly, our text tells us Peter, one of the main disciples of Jesus, and some of his men find themselves back in the city of Galilee. You assume they've seen the risen Jesus, and they would actually be with Jesus in Jerusalem, or with Jesus carrying on the mission of the church. But Peter actually finds himself back in his hometown. And it's really hard to know through the text, through John 21. John talks about a lot of things and gives a lot of commentary in his gospel. But here, he doesn't tell us how Peter really feels. But through Peter's actions of returning home, returning to fishing, the way he interacted with Jesus, we know at this moment Peter is not in a great place. He's just witnessed the worst version of himself. Right, he was the one that promised Jesus, Jesus, even if, even if John, even if Andrew, even if everybody leaves, I'm not leaving. I'm right next to you. And then immediately after Jesus gets arrested, and that night, Peter is sitting by the fire, and someone from the crowd calls out to him and says, weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you one of the guys? And what does Peter do? Just as Jesus predicted, he denounces Jesus, not only once, not only twice, but three times. So Peter's not in a very good place. Have you been there? When you do something wrong, when you've done something wrong to someone you love, and you sit there and you're like, man, what have I done? So he's back in his hometown in Galilee where he used to fish for work. And he tells the rest of the guys, some of the men were with him, some of the disciples were with Peter. He tells the rest of the guys that he's going to go fishing. Often when we are faced with crisis of life, perhaps you've come here and we're dressed really nice and very happy externally, but inside maybe you're facing a crisis. When we are facing crisis in, in life, it's very natural for us, for us to want to do something that's very familiar. For Peter, that's fishing. Not knowing his future, not knowing what's going to happen. Will Jesus receive him again? Peter says, I'm going to just go fish. This is what I know. This is what I've done. Let's just go out, catch some fish. 
So verse 3 and 4, if, if you open up your Bible to John 21, you could just follow with me. We'll walk through the story. Verse 3 and 4, John tells us the man, including Peter, got on the boat and was out there fishing all night. But surprise, surprise, they catch nothing. And while they were out fishing as their time of fishing was nearing the end, Jesus is already by the shore. Notice, it's Jesus who actually comes to Peter, not Peter who goes to Jesus to reconcile this relationship. That's important. Verse 6, Jesus calls for them from the shore, and the disciples have no idea who this man is, at least till then. Again, Peter's out in the water, having spent all night, unable to bring anything, just about ready to return to shore and call it a day. The man from the shore tells them, Hey guys, throw your net once more over and you'll find fish. Interestingly, the scene that we find in John 21 looks very similar to the scene we find in Luke chapter 5, Peter's first encounter with Jesus. Remember that story? Very similar to John 21. Peter and his men were out in the water at that time as well, spent all night fishing just like John 21. And Luke 5 tells us that's when Jesus told Peter when he was ready to call it a day, come home, Jesus says, throw your net out one more time and you'll find fish. And, and just like John 21 and Luke 5, same result. Out of faith, they threw out the net and they, it's such a big catch, they can't haul in the catch. And in John 21, at that moment, this is the second time that's happened to Peter and, and some of his men. At that very moment, one of, one of the men recognized the voice of the man on the shore. And they say, it's Jesus. I think it's John who says, that's Jesus. And Peter immediately jumps into the water and heads towards Jesus. He can't wait for the boat to turn around. He just jumps in. Jesus is here. I'm going to go to him. Verse 7, John tells us, before Peter jumped in the water, very interesting. John gives us a lot of details, and this is important. It says Peter put on his outer garment. Like, like think about this. These are fishermen. They get wet all the time. To jump in the water, what do you do? We take out outer garment. But Peter, he actually took time. He was, he was rushing, but he took time to put on his outer garment. You're like, why this detail? Not very, perhaps John wants us to realize Peter is anxious. Whenever we feel exposed, whenever we feel shamed, whenever we feel insecure, what do we do? We cover ourselves up. This morning I got up, I put on this shirt. A lot of eating, I put on this shirt for the first time this season. A lot of eating last year, and I feel a little ashamed. So you know what I did? I put on this jacket. See, Peter's happy to see Jesus, for sure, because he's jumping in. At the same time, he's reminded of his own shame and failure. Just a few days ago, he ran. He denounced his name. He thinks, perhaps, 
We don't have it in the text, but would Jesus receive me back? Can I be part of the gang again? Would Jesus ever forgive him for running? Yet here in our text, yes, Peter covers up, but he jumps in. Here in our text, Peter's response to Jesus is rather different from Luke chapter 5, the initial meeting. Remember at that time, after the big catch, Peter gets on the shore. Jesus is there, and Peter tells Jesus, Teacher, leave me. I'm, I'm a sinful man. I am now worthy to be in your presence. That was Luke 5. In John 21, he doesn't actually run away. He puts on his garment because he's still feeling shame, but he actually doesn't run away from Jesus. He actually runs to Jesus. You see, having spent last several years with Jesus, Peter came to learn a little bit more about Jesus, came to learn about this true nature between sin and holiness. And what what Peter realized is that, friends, holiness is not keeping a set of rules. Many of us grew up in the church. Maybe that's the message we've heard. We keep rules. That's how we become holy. But really, holiness is about being in tune or in relationship with the Holy One. And Peter, at that moment of shame and discouragement and fear, he realizes, i got to still go to the teacher. He's not, got, he's not going to deny me. And the rest of the story tells us, Jesus will not deny Peter. Verse 9, while the men were out fishing... Jesus had come earlier and started a fire and he put fish on the grill. Jesus cooked breakfast. That's amazing, right? Jesus, this humanity of Jesus cooking breakfast. You know, this past week, all of Australia is in Korea. I, I feel like all of our friends, a bunch of Australians are here in this room. A bunch of our friends are in Korea this morning. Uh, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law, they were with us and I was cooking breakfast. I mean, it's like, you know, cooking for like four people versus like, you know, like eight is is big difference. I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, but there is something joyful about cooking. I, I love cooking breakfast. That's that's my because I can't cook dinner. I love cooking breakfast. There's something so intimate about. And and then when my girls are like, every once in a while, like dad, that's amazing. I'm like, that's great, right? There's this joy. There's this love and care that takes to be able to cook for somebody. So Jesus cooks them this breakfast. The men come wet, hungry, and weary. So they they eat, they dig in, they're hungry. In verse 15, after this wonderful meal, notice it's Jesus who breaks the silence. It's not Peter. Throughout the Gospels, Peter is the one first to speak, first to promise, first to move, first to action. But in the story, Peter is rather silent. He's uncomfortable. And knowing how Peter must have felt, Jesus, he initiates the conversation. So we often assume repentance begins with us. I assume that. I think about that. Right? We, we, we recognize our sin. We recognize we've done wrong. And we come to God. We think that's repentance. It's initiated by the one who has done the wrong thing. But even repentance in Scripture 
is not initiated, often not initiated by the sinner, but it's actually by God himself. Friends, this is our God. This is the image of a God who comes to look for the lost, who comes to wait patiently for us, to leave the 99 behind, to come after the one who's lost. So we see that once again, even the risen Jesus, we see that image once again, coming after Peter. Jesus could have said, okay, I'm done with Peter. Forget him. He's loud anyway. I'm going to get someone else. But no, Jesus, I'm going to go get Peter. So verse 15, this is where we get to the meat of the conversation between Jesus and Peter. That was what was read by our brother Daniel. Three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? To which Peter replies, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. You know I love you. Again, same question, same response, same question, same response. John tells us by the third time, Peter was hurt. He's like, Jesus, you know all things. Why do you keep on asking me the same question? You know that I love you. And, and it, it broke Peter's heart. You could see that he was hurt in that moment. So as I was like thinking about this passage, I mean, I read commentators and scholars and they have their reasons, but I'm like, why ask the same question three times? What's the reason? I have theories, not answers. I have some theories about why Jesus would ask three times. I think for one, Jesus actually accomplished what he wanted to because Peter, there was grieving in his part. He took his sin seriously by the third time that Jesus asked. So it's not to rub it in Peter's face or to teach Peter a a, a good lesson You see, the night of Jesus' arrest, Peter was by what? A charcoal fire. And just like he is now where? By charcoal fire. And Peter's commitment to Jesus was questioned how many times that night? Three times. And once more, his commitment to Jesus is questioned Three more times. Jesus is very intentional about recreating that that night. The night that Peter could not say, yes, that's my Savior. Yes, that's my teacher. Yes, I'm with him. Jesus is recreating. So that Peter would be able to see the gravity of his sin. But also for the sense of full restoration that Jesus wants Peter to experience. So again, for one, Jesus wants Peter to truly understand the depth of his sin. I think that's pretty good. Friends, true repentance. If you think about repentance, anytime you repented before God, will always accompany by godly grief. 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 Can't say grief. Grief. Everyone say grief. In fact, when you think about modern day Christianity, even when I think about my own life, I remember I became Christian in the 90s. And, you know, every time I went to the retreat, it was like 
every night, three hours of repenting. Like, youth pastor would be like, okay, you're not crying enough. We're going to go back. You know, like, Asian church preachers are like, okay, I see tears. Okay, we could go to have some lemon and go to sleep. But there was genuine grieving. But I think about me today, 40 kids and family and pastor, I recognize, like, I don't take my sin seriously enough. Like, I want to move on when I get caught, like Lois and I, when I do something wrong and she catches me in my action. I want to apologize because why? I want to move on. But sometimes when I do something really messed up, Lois is like, you're apologizing too quickly. And I'm like, oh, gosh. She said, why apologize? I'm like, oh, I'm just apologizing. I'm just sorry. But you know what? I Sometimes I don't even know why, you know, because I haven't sat with my own sin and brokenness. When I think about modern church, there's a lot of happiness. There's a lot of good energy. There's a lot of, but, but I don't know if there's enough grieving for our own brokenness, for our own sin. But I think actually that's really good for us. That's good for our maturity to be able to sit with our own sin, to recognize but also another thing it does for us when we sit before our sin and recognize our own brokenness, it allows us to see the cross in the most precious way because we know not only it's our sin that caused Jesus to be on that cross, but it's the cross that restores us from our brokenness. So, so friends, listen to this quote, and I, I think this is a helpful quote. It says, grace produces redemptive pain, not punitive pain, but pain is still painful. Indeed, the gospel brings an end to our deafening worldly grief. But the gospel is beginning of enlivening godly grief as well. The law condemns, the gospel convicts. The law creates self-centered tears. The gospel creates God-centered tears, friends. We really need, as we celebrate Easter, it's great. We're going to go to a picnic. We're going to celebrate. And it's amazing to sing these songs of joy. But let it not rush to that joy portion yet. Let us sit in our own brokenness. In our, let us grieve in the way we have hurt God, in the way we have hurt those around us. And the more we recognize our own depravity without God, the more we recognize the preciousness of the cross. Amen? Let's, let's think about that. Because I think in, in our modern culture, we're not very good at grieving. When you think about your workplace, imagine going to work and someone tells you, hey, you know what, my, my, my grandma passed away. Or my dog died yesterday. Most of the modern culture, we don't know what to do with grief. We'd rather not talk about it. We'd rather ignore it. And, and, and I think that's also very prevalent in the church. Yet again, when we look at the story and what Jesus wants to accomplish in Peter's life, there is definitely intentional desire on Jesus' part for Peter to grieve his sin so that he can see the wonderful grace and wonderful reality of the cross. 
That's one, and I'm, I'm almost done. Second reason. Here's the second reason. Man, kids are doing amazing. Can we? You guys are amazing. Wow, I thought it'd be like by this time, I gotta, I gotta land. I'll land soon. Don't worry, guys. But here's the second reason why I think Jesus asks Peter three times the same question, and I don't think it's as obvious. I think it's because Peter failed to truly understand that he's been forgiven. Let me explain. You see, friends, many Christians, many people, even non-Christians, continue to live life being trapped by their own past sins. I know I do that. I know some of us still struggle moving forward about our past decisions and actions. And, And we don't know, really, for many of us, many Christians, we don't know what it means to truly embrace God's forgiveness. In fact, many of us have not forgiven ourselves from our past decisions, relationships, things that we've done, things that we did not do. Because look at Peter. Why is he fishing in Galilee when he saw the risen Jesus? He's fishing in Galilee because Peter, like many of us, fell trapped in his own sin and and really could not move forward. If you see Peter, he's not the old Peter in this story. He's timid, he is passive, he's afraid, and he doesn't know what to do. That's not Peter that we know. Friends, part of, because we talk about forgiveness a lot in the church. And you've heard me preach about God's forgiveness. Friends, part of embracing God's forgiveness requires that we accept our own brokenness. In fact, for most of us, it's our pride, the sense of self-righteousness that keeps us from receiving God's forgiveness. In fact, it's easier probably for many of us to hear that God forgives me, yet just to turn around and not to forgive ourselves of the things that we've done. So really when we see Peter just stuck in his uncertainty in his own sin and not able to move forward because he's seen Jesus he's seen the risen Jesus and really what Jesus wants in this story is Jesus wants Peter to move forward that's why when you look at the story every time Peter says you know I love you what does Jesus say feed my sheep tend my lamb serve my people Live out your calling. Don't forget the vision that I've given over your life. See, Peter, I think, Peter wanted to run. Peter wanted to hide. Everybody found out. Peter ran. That guy, Peter, promised he's going to be next to the teacher the whole time. Well, he not only ran, but he denounced Jesus. Peter probably just wanted to no longer be in the circle, just be out, maybe go back to fishing, maybe just make a living, maybe just survive. Yet Jesus says, no, you've been called. 
You may be ready to give up, but I'm not giving up. That's Jesus showing up to the shore, saying, I'm not giving up. In the same way, friends, you may have given up on your on God-given call in your life. I know I have many times doing ministry. There are times I'm just like, Lord, I'm done. I'll sell cars. I'm good. I've done that many times. Yet every time I do that, God reminds me, Simon, you might be done, but I'm not done. And when I'm not done, you're not done. The faster you get it, easier it will be for your life. I'm like, okay, Lord. Friends, one of the most wonderful reality of God's restoration, because this story is about restoration of Peter, is that it not only puts us back into this wonderful relationship with God, but it also puts us back into God-given vision for our lives. Last, the Pastor John spoke about repentance, and he said, repentance, the heart of it, it is about turning away from our pursuit of all other things and turning towards God, turning back to God. That's really repentance. The idea of this U-turn back to our Creator God. And that's what Jesus desires Peter to do. Let me wrap up our time with the gospel. Friends, this is the gospel on Easter Sunday. This is the gospel. Friends, we have a Savior Jesus who is wholeheartedly committed to us. Committed to His vision for your life. We have a Savior who for joy set before Him. That's what Hebrews writer says. Endure the most painful death, even death on a cross giving away his power, his position, his authority, his life. He did that so that we can be restored. Friends, our restoration does not depend on what we do or what we can do, but it's on purely on what Jesus did for us. And that very first Easter morning, Jesus came out of that tomb because even death could not hold him back. And that very resurrection power, Paul says, that very resurrection power, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in anyone who says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Isn't that crazy? When I read that, I'm like, that's crazy that that resurrection power, the spirit that revived Jesus from death resides in, not just Pastor Sangmin, not just Elder Charles, not just Elder Evan, but each and every one of us. So friends, Jesus today stands at the shore of your life and my life. And his question is, Elliot, Chris, John, Evan, Eunice, all of you guys, Do you truly love me more than these? And I think it's tempting to say, yeah, Lord, you know I do. But imagine Jesus saying, well, do you really truly love me more than these? And you'd be like, I think I do, Lord. Do you truly love me more than these? I think that's where Jesus wants to invite us into, that place. Amen? Let me pray for us. I want to invite our elders to get ready for communion. Lord, we, uh, what a story 
Lord, whether we know it or not, there's so much Peter in each of us. Um, sometimes we are so excited to follow you and we'll raise our hand and say, Lord, I'll go to end of the ends of the earth to serve you. Yet at times when we realize our brokenness and our sin, we want to hide. Yet, yet, Lord, you know, deep down inside, we love you. And that's why we're here, even this afternoon. We could be anywhere we're here to celebrate your victory. So, Lord, would you meet us where we are? You know us best. Would you meet us where we are and remind us once again, it is you who comes after us. It is you who comes to invite us back. But if anyone is weary, if anyone is exhausted, if anyone is questioning the call you've given in their life, Holy Spirit, would you revive? Would you help us to remember? Would you help us to surrender? We thank you, we love you. Just say we pray. Amen.